seconds. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim DeWire. And obviously the big story today is the financial markets are roiling globally. Interesting stuff. Uh, it strikes me that uh, you don't want to panic. This is the stock market, folks. Paper assets. Uh, there's obviously some... Mischief going on on Wall Street with uh, short sellers and long sellers, that kind of thing. Some of these people have to meet positions, and this creates and adds to the panic. I heard that Wall Street today uh, interjected a Code 48. <laughs> Sounds like something out of Dr. Strangelove. But that's uh, dealing with these automated trades. But uh, what's been kind of interesting about this global situation is this is connected to China, primarily. And it seems that we have the return of the infamous phrase, contagion. <laughs> which is a new disaster movie coming to you. <laughs> I would like to blame it on North Korea. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but uh, North Korea has officially changed their time. They want to be uh -huh. on their own time. So they moved their clocks uh, back, I think, a half hour <laughs> in one of the more bizarre things uh, in, in recent memory. <laughs> I thought they would have gone further back than that <laughs> since they're uh, trapped in something of a backward society there. Yeah, how about half a millennium? <laughs> right, yeah, somewhere in the 1300s is about what I was thinking. The cult of personality. It'll be interesting if uh, Trump becomes the nominee, he and Kim Jong-un can have a comb-over <laughs> face-off. And, of course, uh, there actually have been tensions at the Korean border. Get this, the disputes are loud music and, of course, some landmines that are disputed. Apparently, North Korea set some landmines in the de demilitarized zones that risen tensions in that area. But getting back to the global uh, stock sell-off, very interesting. It seems to be the confluence of a lot of events, uh, major corruption scandal in Brazil, for instance. Uh, you have uh, emerging bond funds global bond funds that American hedge funds are heavily invested in that have had a lot of volatility and even some on the signs of collapse. You had a currency devaluation a couple of weeks ago. You have the continuing global migration problem. Uh, the World Bank, I think, uh, IMF estimated that there are 250 million people unemployed. This is continues to be a major issue uh, in Europe and the United States, of course. Uh, I've had rumors of a Fed rate hike of, get this, a quarter percent. Mm -hmm. Housing bubble in China. And uh, basically the sort of 
loss of confidence in what really is going on in China. How legitimate are the numbers? What is the government doing? They have their own co corruption scandals. And their own uh, environmental catastrophes. Yeah, they've had a couple of those recently. One uh, sizable explosion uh, just a week or so ago. And another one this weekend. Yeah. Uh, it, it continues, as we suggested last week, what exactly is a toxic uh, storage warehouse? Oh, right, right. <laughs> that sounds like something out of 1984. Well, I've always sort of suspected that China's economic power is going to be somewhat short-lived. I just don't think that, that the population base there is too big, it's happening too fast, and they're going to be the new Spain. They're going to blow their imperial wad pretty quickly, and I, I think this might just be the beginning of how this unravels in China. Yeah, and it's interesting that you would you know read a story from... Uh this this weekend uh, about the Mongolian bubble. Uh, this is interesting. This is connected to these uh, hedge funds that I mentioned. A couple of years ago, the uh, Mongolian government in 2012, and I'm reading here from Landon Thomas's article on this, about investors' race to escape global bond risks because of the high, uh, relatively high uh, it's, he writes, of the more extreme cases of the bond market frenzy was Mongolia in 2012, with expectations high that the relatively tiny economy would reap the benefits of China's ceaseless appetite for raw materials. The government sold $1.5 billion worth of bonds, with demand from investors reaching $10 billion. Hmm. Those numbers don't sound right to me, but I think it explains the situation. Three years later, the IMF is warning that Mongolia might not be able to make good on these loans, 14% of which are owned by Franklin Templeton. It's an American company, according to Bloomberg data. And the yields have shot up to 9% from 4%. Bond yields, by the way. When the, the, the yields go up, the, that means the price is going down. Yep. So there's an inverse relationship. A fascinating article a couple of weeks ago regarding the devaluation of the currency. I sort of kept this article because I thought it was going to emerge as a major uh, political issue in the presidential primaries. Uh, but uh, it hasn't. Yet. Not yet, but a fascinating graph, and this came on the heels of China announcing the devaluation, showing the incredibly complex relationship between uh, the yen, the yuan, which is the uh, South Korean currency, and the, the renminbi, it's always a tongue twister, showing how this graph, and this is a fascinating graph, this is kind of a three-dimensional thing, <laughs> much harder to read than a normal one, but it shows how it's gone in a big curly queue. Uh, this is uh, the relative strength of these three currencies as compared to the dollar. And it's fascinating how the Chinese currency, relatively speaking, went up quite a bit 
from 2000 to 2002, then it came down, then it went way down, then it did sort of a curly cue, and the yen began to strengthen. And then it went down, the yen did relative to the uh, Chinese currency, and the Chinese currency did go way up. So you can see at the moment of the devaluation that logic suggests that this will come back down quite a bit. Fascinating graph showing this absolutely bizarre uh, relationship between these currencies. And, of course, the currencies are part of uh, an ongoing trade war. Uh, Stephen Roach, who's a pretty well-known media figure on international financial issues, was quoted as saying, we've been in a currency war for six years. Hmm. And this, of course, is connected a little bit to the strength of the American dollar. Uh, and, of course, the commodities slump doesn't hurt Americans that much, other than it affects, uh, say, steel manufacturing. But uh, prices nationally, for instance, for, for gas should be way down. But, of course, locally, <laughs> because of the BP refinery situation, we've seen an increase in gas prices while oil prices globally have been going way down. So these are the continuing conundrums of global economics. Of course, Japan enjoys uh, the fact that they don't really have to worry about uh, a military expenditure in their budget. Sure. Uh, they're talking about changing that now, which is sort of baffling to me because you've got this great system where the U.S. is basically your military shield. Um there was a gentleman on uh, NPR yesterday who's got a new book uh, about uh, the incredibly uh, sizable footprint of uh, U.S. military bases, and we've talked about this many times, but uh, like 800 bases worldwide. Yeah. And uh, we're paying for all this. So, And, of course, during the Cold War, uh, we had bases in two-thirds of the sovereign nations on the globe. Right. Uh, there have been amazing revelations uh, that are not in Hillary Clinton's emails, by the way. <laughs> uh, that scandal is uh, sort of continuing bubbling um, non-scandal, in my opinion. Uh, That's all Fox News has to get excited about at the moment. I mean, quite clearly, she had two different servers, and in theory, the, the so-called classified information was on her official State Department server. So this private server that she had was for all of her private business. Now, the, the big scandal is whether or not there were um, classified uh, emails sent to this private server. Apparently, there, there haven't been, but apparently there have been a couple of documents that, quote-unquote, should have been classified. But uh, I'm a little unclear what her culpability is on this because the— Laws are a little murky. Um, this is not uh, Hillary Clinton sharing uh, classified information with her lover. <laughs> Think David Petraeus. <laughs> or anything to do with WikiLeaks. Uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign is obviously continuing to suffer from this perceived scandal. And part of it is the punditocracy claiming... There might be something there. There, She might be hiding something. But I'm a little skeptical. I think that a lot of the uh, State Department uh, business period is a lot of schmoozing, 
mm-hmm. and uh, diplomatic protocol. And I don't think the Hillary Clinton emails are going to be a big revelation uh, regarding her conduct. As for whether or not she followed policy, that still seems to be a bit murky. A judge, a federal judge, ruled last week that she apparently did not follow policy. There's a dispute about that. But it strikes me that this is sort of a... There's so many details and question marks that it's, it doesn't strike me as a big scandal yet. But it's a perceived scandal, and that is why she is hurting slightly in the polls. Big deal, huh? There's still so much time to go before it really gets serious that it's it's hard to see how it'll matter. I mean, even now the talk of a potential Biden candidacy seems kind of ludicrous to me, too. I mean, I know his name is, is out there, obviously. He's an incumbent, you know, sitting vice president, but I just don't think he has the machine behind him. No, he's probably too late in the game at this point, but... You, you don't know. I mean, I could see Biden emerging as a kind of a compromise brokered convention kind of candidate. But most of the political experts have pointed out that despite Hillary's Clinton's problems, whatever they might be, she still uh, has significant advantages over, say, Bernie Sanders amongst key Democratic constituents that vote in the primaries. And uh, Bernie may beat her, for instance, in New Hampshire, but let's remember that even if he beats her by, say, 10 points, he only gets an extra delegate or two. Mm -hmm. This is a uh, problem that Hillary Clinton discovered when she ran against Barack Obama. Barack Obama actually ran up huge plurality advantages in some of the small red states, and that actually provided his key marginal uh, delegate advantage. As for the Donald, um, has he been on vacation? It's been sort of a quiet week for him, actually. There was a item in the, uh, again, good old Fox News, uh, dug up Michelle Bachman, who apparently has done everything but uh, endorse Trump. She was talking about how she supports the wall idea that is he she, spoke is about. She touring with Bachman Turner Overdrive yet? <laughs> Bachman Turner underthought. Um, Taking care of business. Yeah. Her comment was bizarre because she said, you know, that's what walls are for. You know, they keep people out. Look at the Great Wall of China. You know, they, they built a great wall and uh, it successfully uh, repelled uh, the hordes of invaders. So it sounded to me like a sort of a roundabout endorsement of more jobs to China. <laughs> Let's get the Chinese over here to build a wall between us and Mexico. That's the Michelle Bachman view. Yeah, the wall is uh, a strange uh, proposal, but it's it's nice for you know the the ignoramuses in America that think that it will somehow work. Of course, it doesn't substantively deal with any of the immigration, the real immigration problems, that, or the labor issues that are, of course, uh, inextricably bound up with illegal uh, immigrants. You know, the immigration, undocumented workers, <laughs> the real immigration issue. And I, you know, I think that this gets back to the continuing uh, superficiality of the entire debate. Um, you don't have any real immigration reform on the table. What you have is a lot of complaining. 
and uh, delusional thinking about what the real problems are. Um, and there are problems, but uh, it's interesting to, to me that the national polls actually show Trump declining a bit after the debate. Um, but what is interesting from the sort of smaller inside polls is that he's leading Ted Cruz amongst Tea Party constituents 26 to 13. He's leading Huckabee amongst evangelicals 21 to 12 and leading Bush um, 22 to 16 amongst so-called moderate Republicans. So obviously he's the front runner, but it seems like his support is kind of a, an inch tall and a, a mile wide. Yeah. Um, it might just be name recognition. And when he's only notching 16%, uh, he may be the front runner, but that doesn't strike me as a closed verdict. He's probably a couple of bonehead comments away from hitting the skids, but by the same token, so are many of those guys. Well, he seems to have survived uh, the Megyn Kelly brouhaha to some degree, but those comments were troubling, and uh, I start to wonder when they're going to actually start looking into his financial shenanigans. Let's remember, this is a guy that took advantage of the bankruptcy laws four times mm -hmm. and brags about it on in the debates. This is what makes him qualified to be president of the United States. Of course, the concern there is that China buys quite a bit of American debt, and uh, I can foresee quite likely that we're going to have a, another showdown at the OK Corral in Washington over the budget continuing resolution in a, in a month. Um, this time it'll be over Planned Parenthood. <laughs> or the Iran Treaty. The Iran Treaty, yeah. And that's uh, sort of in abeyance, as they say. Most Democrats seem to be coming out in favor of it, uh, slowly but surely. Mm -hmm. Harry Reid announced his support quite recently, and that's sometimes crucial, you know, having a, a leader in the party actually working behind the scenes to, to get the votes or to cover the votes, as they say, because mm -hmm. this is a complicated parliamentary issue of, involving American politics. Let's give out a brain damage award to ISIS. Uh, they're always worthy of a brain damage award every week. Why on earth would you um, destroy an ancient temple that was built in 2000 B.C.? <laughs> this happened in the city of Palmyra, and without going into the ancient religions involved, this is, and then of course they beheaded a uh, archaeologist uh, this past week, um, an elderly archaeologist who was protecting the history of the Middle East, and uh, I think this public relations desire by ISIS is just totally strange. It's interesting to note on that front, by the way, that they didn't include destroying archaeological sites in their social media videos a couple years ago. <laughs> what they bragged about were roadside bombs, prisoner escapes, car bombs, and clearance of apostates' homes. 
according to Owen Bennett Jones, in a uh, 17th of July 2014 London Review of Books article, How We Should Think About the Caliphate. <laughs> it says, next to the uh, word assassinations is the number 1083, the number of targeted killings ISIS claims to have pulled off in the year under review. That sits alongside with 4,465 truck bombs and 160 side suicide attacks and more than 100 repentances by apostates. <laughs> if you're keeping score at home. Yeah. That's the box score from uh, from yeah. ISIS from a couple years ago. Well, you know, the whole idea of this caliphate is so dubious and, and specious, really, that it, it's it's very similar to the uh, the South will rise again idea. There will be no caliphate. It's just, just that's just not going to happen. Uh, there are nations with with interests, sovereign interests. Um, admittedly, there's a lot of uncertainty and uh, confusion that's widespread throughout the region. And as we've noted here for several years now, that's largely attributable to George W. Bush's bizarre plan to redesign the Middle East. Um, it's, it's going so well. Um, but uh, uh, another... Brain damage. Well, we'll give a brain damage award out to the NRA, who are always telling us that uh, guns are the only answer. Uh, but what about those industrious uh, servicemen on the train uh, from Amsterdam to Paris? No guns needed to take out the dude with the bag full of guns. Yeah. Uh, of course, quick thinking and alert, uh, you know, uh, action on their part. Uh, they happen to be U.S. servicemen. They, they could have been anybody who was paying attention and who had the nerve to jump on top of the situation. But uh, no guns needed. Yeah. Perfectly subdued with just good old-fashioned physical strength. And I'm sure that it will be a movie. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> the movie is... Uh, the movie rights are being sold as we speak, I'm sure. But and... the, the, it won't... Maybe, maybe it won't work as a movie because there won't be any gunfire. <laughs> There's no uh, climactic scene with... Sylvester Stallone, you know, blasting him out. Yeah, and of course, good old I, I guess they were awarded the Legion of Honor. So. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what the ceremony will be. Jokes about French accents. Um, one of the more bizarre uh, stories over the weekend, I don't know if you saw this, in the state of Ohio, the uh, Ohio Right to Life is trying to pass an abortion bill that would ban abortions based on um, abortions that are performed legally by parents uh, to prevent Down syndrome. In other words, they apparently want to get into the business of not taking care of these babies with Down syndromes, but forcing families who they don't know to do so. To do so. And there's no mention of any... Uh, Funding for this uh, concept, it's part of a uh, bill that they're proposing. I'm not too sure why they're forcing this on John Kasich at this time. It's interesting to note. Um, yeah, he can't welcome this. That, you know, on this issue, this is, uh, this is I think, very troubling. 
in 2013, North Dakota made it illegal for a doctor to perform an abortion because of a fetal genetic anomaly, including Down syndrome. Indiana, Missouri, and South Dakota have considered similar laws this year. Seven states, Arkansas, Kansas, oh, excuse me, Arizona, Kansas, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oklahoma, and Pennsylvania, and South Dakota, could have both of the Dakotas on this list, have laws banning abortions if the reason is gender selection. Um, in 2012, the House of Representatives, the American House of Representatives, rejected such a measure. So this is uh, yet more troubling uh, meddling in the private uh, decisions that families make regarding family planning, abortions, the health of the fetus, etc. And uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't understand the purpose of uh, these these kinds of laws. They they strike me as sort of confused. Well, how many? What kind of numbers uh, are are we talking about here with, with a, a law like this? Out of the number of people who request or require an abortion. How many of them are doing so because the baby, the fetus, has been diagnosed with Down syndrome? I don't know. One in a thousand. It's it's one of those. It's like voter fraud. Yeah, it just it happens so infrequently that it. it why is this an, an issue of concern? It's just a, another opportunity. Any opportunity to to yammer out the. Uh, you know the the right wing ideology of uh, friend of the fetus. Uh, any port in a storm. And they, and they don't even understand the biology of the whole thing because they continue to pass and, shall we say, propose laws to uh, prevent abortions after 20 weeks uh, when it's quite clear, based on viability uh, biology, that this is really about 22 to 23 weeks. So once again, it's a kind of a strange intervention into... An area they don't seem to know much about, science. Yeah. Well, there's uh, talk from uh, Republicans, I think Rubio among them, about uh, questioning the uh, the concern, again, about immigration, uh, about uh, expectant mothers who come to this country and have their babies here, uh, about revoking the automatic natural you know, citizenship thing. Yeah. If you're born here. But this is one of the most basic and fundamental human liberties there is to belong in the place uh, where you are born. You know, the baby has no choice or say in the matter. Anchor babies is uh, anchor what, babies is the phrase. Uh, I'm I not think sure. Jeb again, Bush <laughs> injudiciously yeah. used last week. Right. And again, what kind of numbers are we talking about here? Uh, who knows? But was Donald Trump's daughter? Uh, a citizen? I mean, Ivana Trump, was she naturalized? I'm so. not sure on the on the Trump family. Uh, he's had a number of <laughs> wives. They're hard to keep track of. He's probably got a few children lurking out there in the world, too, but uh, just a question. <laughs> yeah, and uh, on the related issue of uh, humorous items from the world, the strange world that we live in, it's from the Harper's Index. I always like these items about pork. It says the number of years in prison in which a Texas man was recently sentenced for stealing a $35 rack of pork ribs 
50. <laughs> In other words, he gets more time than mm. the Wall Street bankers. Well, uh, there is no justice uh, sometimes, so it seems. Uh, interesting thing from the August Ann Arbor Observer <clears throat> about the ongoing stalemate between the uh, Ann Arbor School Board and the uh, Teachers Union. Uh, there was a meeting in July, a uh, Democratic Party meeting, and it was hoped uh, by State Rep. Jeff Irwin that uh, the two sides could at least come together and make up and play friendly for this Democratic Party meeting, but they were told by the Michigan Employment Relations Commission that uh, this is going to be too contentious. Don't bother. Erwin uh, goes on to point out uh, in his comments for this article that uh, the attack on public education by the Republican Party is ongoing. Um, Republicans have eliminated the number, here's his quote here, uh, Republicans have eliminated the cap on the number of charter schools. It was 300. Now it's unlimited. And in this year's horrible budget, the charter schools are getting $250 more per pupil, while Ann Arbor schools are getting only an additional $25. So does not bode well for uh, teachers or students, I'm afraid, in Ann Arbor if this cannot be uh, resolved. Uh, the Ann Arbor Public Schools uh, owes back pay to teachers, too, for about five years' worth. Wouldn't and surprise they're going to try me. and weasel right out of it. Okay, well, we'd uh, like to remind you that you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Do stay tuned. Uh, Yazoo City Calling is coming up shortly. Um, just like to uh, observe that, you know, the, the, the whole charter school thing. So I'm not sure if we're supposed to cut out. Andrew was getting a phone call as we were speaking. But um, the the achievement uh, levels of charter schools around the country is, is still being sort of debated and uh, the efficacy of charter schools while they may work in some areas I think needs to be more scrupulously examined by educational policy in general uh, this of course is kind of a, a slogan mm. and the substance of what charter schools are actually producing in terms of you know curriculum success and preparing students for college and or the workplace I think is a big issue uh, I'd be interested to know. Oh, we're finally getting the Time's Up signal from Andrew. So do stay tuned right here on WCBN. We can obviously pick this up next week. Yazoo City Calling coming up next. Radio is king of the media. I suppose our youngsters would say cornball or square. And now, CBN Radio brings you... But all the, all the broadcast uh, uh, media can do, to give them a sense of flavor. It's all vegetable. It's digestible. 